I encourage you this morning to turn to your Bibles, Matthew chapter 7. This is a portion of the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus, in Matthew uh, chapter 3 and 4, Jesus is beginning His ministry. If you remember, Jesus is baptized by John the Baptist. He begins His ministry. He begins teaching people His principles, His guidelines, the things that He would have them to do. Now as a Christian, the new law that He's establishing, He goes and He's preaching, and then all of a sudden He's led into the wilderness. And He's tempted by Satan. And Satan says, you know, if, you, if you're hungry, if you just turn these stones into bread, I'll give you these great nations. And Jesus is tempted by, by Satan. Jesus continues to deny, uh, deny Satan and, and tells how much power he has. He continues on in his ministry and the people are gathered to find Jesus. They want to be healed by Jesus, but just by touching Jesus. And Jesus gets on the mountainside. His disciples are there. And the people want to hear Jesus teach. Now I just picture this for a moment, kind of like you and I would buy tickets to go see someone in a concert, or go see some, some event, something, and we, we are yearning to hear this individual perform. Now, do we have that same desire to hear the Word of God today? These individuals want to hear Jesus teach. They know the power that Jesus has. And so he begins in Matthew chapter 5, the sermon, what we know as a Sermon on the Mount. And he begins teaching them. So as I was reading this to, perform, or to uh, produce a study, there's a, ver- a couple of verses that stuck out to me, and that's what I would like to show you this morning. So if you would, open your Bibles in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24. The Bible says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him a wise man, which built his house upon a rock, And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, when Jesus had concluded His sermon, the people were astonished at His doctrine, for He taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And so, when I read this one, I think just I'm, I'm so drawn in when we talk about anything construction, because that's what I do. So when I see that there's this uh, analogy of a man who built his house on a solid foundation and a man who built his house on not a solid foundation, what the results are. And I will tell you, in construction, foundations matter. I'll tell you that it's all about the foundation. Because if you have a bad foundation, bad things happen every time. And so I was drawn to this. But there was a couple of things that I want to point out. The people were astonished at Jesus' teaching. Why? Why were they astonished? Now, it's not just about this parable. It's about His whole lesson between chapter 5 and chapter 7. They were astonished at Jesus' teaching. That's what I want to share with you this morning. I could look at the exhaustive list that we could pull out of Matthew 5, 6, and 7 about the Sermon on the Mount, but I just want to kind of hone in on these few verses this morning. Why were these people astonished? Well, the first thing I believe that Jesus speaks with authority. They were astonished at the authority that Jesus carried Himself with. Our text said people were astonished at His doctrine, for He taught them as having authority, not as the scribes. You know, these people are used to the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, talking about Moses' law. The old law. 
Jeremiah said, Isaiah said, they were used to that. Jesus said, this is my doctrine. These are the words of life. This is what you need to know to have eternal salvation. So he taught with authority. John 14, 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except by me. Jesus taught with authority. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and darkness comprehended it not. And the Word became, or the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of His only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Do you believe Jesus has all authority, un, or ultimately overarching all the authority in the world? Do you believe that this morning? These people were astonished at the teaching of Jesus Christ because He carried Himself with authority, and He taught His Word, His doctrine. He said, he talked about the old law. Moses said, or you have heard not to commit adultery. He says, but I'm telling you that if a man looks upon a woman and he lusts after her, he's already committed adultery in his heart. Yeah, he referenced it, but he has ultimate authority. He referenced the old law, but he says, look, that was what the law said. This is what I'm telling you now. This is how you ought to live. He didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill it. Jesus carries all ultimate authority. His followers, his individuals, Paul the Apostle in, in Galatians chapter 1 tells us that he understands, he believes, he recognizes the authority Jesus had. Galatians 1.8 says, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Paul understood the writings of Jesus. Paul understood the teachings of Jesus, rather, that he has ultimate authority and it's his gospel. That's it. There are no other Gospels. The people were astonished because Jesus carried Himself with authority. The people were also astonished because Jesus speaks in absolutes. When I was looking at this, I was like, man, that's interesting that He said, it's, I am the truth, I am the life, no man come to the Father but by Me. Jesus says in our text for this morning, uh, therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of Mine and does them, guess what? The house doesn't fall. But He says, but the guy who listens to My Word and doesn't do them, his house will fall every time and great will be the fall of it. It's either you listen to my word and you do it, you'll stand forever. Or you don't listen to my word, or you hear my word and you don't listen to it, you don't follow the instruction, you will fall every time. World of absolutes. Jesus is speaking in absolutes. Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters for either he hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God. I mean, we understand this, this principle, this idea. What master are you serving today? People were astonished at Jesus' teaching because He carried Himself with authority and He spoke in absolutes. It's either my way or no way. You want to get to the Father? You want to get to heaven? It's through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. There's the one true religion. There's all other ideas, but there's one true religion, one truth. And Jesus taught that. You can't serve God and mammon. John chapter 4, 23 says, But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship in the Father, or the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. True worshipers gives us the idea there are false worshipers, people that are not doing what God asked them to do. How God had laid out worship, how God had laid out how to live our lives, what principles to follow. It's about the intent of the heart, not about following the laws all the time. You know, I can follow the speed limit and hate it. I can listen to mom and dad, but hate my mom and dad. I can love my wife, but not show her love. 
I can be disrespectful. I can be unloving. And I hate every minute of it. There's a lot of times that we live life, we make decisions, and it really, we really don't want to make that decision. Our heart's not really in it. Maybe our heart's not in contri- or communion. Maybe our heart's not in contribution. Maybe our heart's not in the worship service. You're here just sitting on a pew being a warm body. Maybe you're dead inside. You could care less. You're at church. Everyone else saw you, right? Everyone saw you at church, so they don't have to go and check on you. Jesus spoke with authority, and Jesus speaks in absolutes, and if you want to be in heaven one day, you're going to follow Him. John 14, 6 again. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can get to the Father except by Jesus Christ. Are you with Jesus this morning? That's the only way to access the Father. I believe people are astonished of Jesus' teaching, partly because He teaches about a life of hardship. You know, Jesus never said, listen guys, you follow Me, you listen to My Word, you hear My Word, you do My Word, and guess what? It will be all easy for you. You'll never have any financial issues, you never have any emotional issues, you never have any family struggles, you never have any issues in life, because you follow Me, and guess what? Your life will be perfect. Jesus never said that, right? He teaches about a life of hardship. Matthew 7, He says, there's two things that come out to Me in this, this verse. This, of, of this parable of the two builders. He says, the rains descend and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell not. What does he say about the other guy? The rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and guess what? It fell. The same event happened to the guy who listened to the Word of God and followed the Word of God as the guy who listened to the Word of God and did not follow the Word of God. That same thing happened. Trials of life happened to both individuals. And that tells me that this morning, that even though I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, bad things are going to happen. Struggles are going to happen. And what do we do to overcome that? How do we overcome those things? Mark chapter 8, 34, the Bible says, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said to them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall, shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever there shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, also shall the Son of God be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. You know what's going to happen? Bad things are going to happen. Regardless if you believe in Jesus Christ or not. Trials, hardships, tough times are coming. Whether it's now or tomorrow, they're going to happen. But Jesus says, you know what? Take up your cross. Because you take up your cross, you follow me for my sake and for the gospel's sake, guess what? I'll take care of you. I'll handle it. There's an unsurmountable amount of peace that comes when we follow Jesus Christ. Life is going to be tough. I think of Noah. A very simple analogy for us. I think of Noah. God said it's going to rain. Rain? I've never seen rain. It's going to happen. Trust me, Noah. It's going to happen. I need you to build a boat. This is how big it needs to be. This is how tall it needs to be. This is what I need you to, how I need you to prepare it. You think that was tough sledding? I think construction's hard at times. And we have machines. Lots of machines. A lot of machines that help us. There are a lot of machines that make it more difficult, too. Safety reasons. There are all kinds of things to make it. Weldon knows. I know. He's all about safety. But sometimes it's like, it doesn't even make sense. But Noah didn't have those things. God said, it's going to flood. Noah's like, I don't even know what a flood is. You know, he said, I need you to make this out of this wood, this boat out of this wood. I need you to make it so big and so tall. So not only was it physically hard, wasn't it emotionally hard? He's sitting there 
slugging away, building this boat, and everyone's like, what is this guy doing? He's crazy. There's a flood coming. Lord said there's a flood coming. How much faith is it required to see something that, or not, to not see something that God sees, but trusting God in the process? How hard was that? I'm sure maybe at some point in time, he started questioning himself, man, is this really going to happen? I think he put his faith in God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Jesus teaches about a life of hardship. I think of individuals that I've known in my life that I would say that they are just, man, they are some good people, but they've had some tough, tough lives. I know some evangelists that have really struggled with, with health, ultimately dying of cancer. I know individuals who have died of freak accidents that I would say, man, those guys are definitely individuals who I want to model my life after. You think their life was tough? Yeah, their life was tough. Jesus never said it was going to be easy. Jesus said it's going to be difficult because guess what? The rains will fall and the floods will ascend. The wind is going to blow and it's going to beat upon that house. What's the result? What's the result of your life? Will your house fall or will your house stand? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, the Bible says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Jesus will give us rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest on your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is what? There is no burden? No, my burden is light. We we often think about life and think about what Jesus is telling us. That yes, it may be easier in the sense that I don't have to worry about afterlife. I don't have to worry about my sins because Jesus is covering me, making me white as snow because His yoke is easy and His burden is light. He'll provide rest to us. But it doesn't guarantee a life of ease. John chapter 16, verse 33, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world, you have, you have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Jesus has overcome the world. We'll have peace in Jesus Christ, but because we live in the world, there's going to be things that happen. Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. What does tribulations, uh, the Bible says here that we glory in our tribulations, that we ought to stand firm in the foundation of, of the Word of God because we glory in tribulations. When we suffer bad things and things happen to us and we persevere and we push on, It honors God. It glorifies God in heaven because bad times are coming. Bad times may be here, but if we glory through it or we push through that tribulation and we persevere, that creates our character of who we are. And that character gives us hope. We're defined by who we are, by the decisions we make through the bad times and the good times. That's perseverance. I think about the individuals that are not able to be here right now. That they're watching the service. Perseverance. 
Perseverance, overcoming an obstacle in life. This is, this is tough sledding sometimes. We couldn't control what's happening right now. But don't let your faith be destroyed. Persevere. You may be struggling in your marriage right now. Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. There are a lot of people here that have struggled a lot of different things. If you need help, let's persevere together. We're a church. We're a family. Jesus Christ says, it's not about the easy life. You're going to have hardships. You're going to have struggles, but you can overcome it because guess what? I've overcome the world. Jesus teaches about a warning. I think that people were astonished because Jesus taught with authority. Jesus taught that uh, in a world of absolutes, He taught about a life being hard and difficult, but still take up your cross. He also teaches us about a warning. Our text this morning says, And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. What is, what is the parable really about here at the end of Matthew 7? Great was the fall of it. We have two individuals. Jesus speaking with His authority, saying it's my way or destruction. We have this wise builder whose house will stand forever, and we have this foolish builder whose house will fall. Great will be the fall of it. What's this really about? This is about heaven and hell. That's what it's about. And that's what Jesus is teaching. I think you'll find a lot Jesus is teaching about heaven and hell. Matthew 7, verse 13, Enter ye in the straight gate, and for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. We must realize and understand there are only two options. You're either choosing heaven, or you're really just choosing hell. What is your choice this morning? Because Christ is warning us about a a road that leads to destruction. And that road, a lot of people are heading that way. A lot of people are going there. What choice are you making for you and your family? Is it heaven? Are you choosing heaven? Because if you're not, you're choosing hell every time. And Jesus warns us about that. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Very sad, sad teaching here of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. Not everyone that claims Christ Jesus, not everyone that's done good things for the Lord will enter in. Why? Because they work iniquity. Now there are good people. The harsh truth is there are a lot of good people in this world. But if they don't know Christ Jesus and don't follow what He's asking them to do, it's going to be tough sledding one day. I'm not sitting here judging anybody by anything, by any standard, because Jesus tells us that we have to follow His Word and His Institute and the things that He's established to get to heaven, to get to the Father. Only through Him, His truth, His way. But to me, when I read this, it's very sad to see someone facing Christ and Jesus saying, I never knew you. You know, people do a lot of good things for a lot of, a lot of good reasons. But if it's not for Christ, it's, it's nothing. Matthew five twenty nine. And if thy right hand offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is proper for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not thy whole body should be cast into hell. Jesus here speaking, again, Sermon on the Mount, telling us about hell, telling us about what it's better to live life maimed, 
uh, plucking out that right eye, cutting off that arm. Get rid of the sin out of your life. Get rid of the issues of life. Get rid of it because it's better to enter into heaven maimed than your whole body, than your entire being thrown into hell. Heaven and hell are a real place, real destinations. People are really going there. And I think Jesus here, when He's talking to the Sermon on the Mount, that's one of the most uh, the things that He really wants us to understand. That the builder, the guy who puts his faith in God and follows His Word and does His Word, builds his house on solid foundation. And that foundation, when the winds blow and the rains, or the rains descend and the winds blow and the, the floods ascend, guess what? That house will stand if they follow God. Hell is a real thing. Matthew 10, 28, fear not which kill the body, but are able to kill the soul. But rather fear him, or are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew 18, 7, woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to the man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter the life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast in everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Jesus was very passionate about teaching about heaven, about teaching about hell, to get rid of things out of life, get rid of your sin, because when the winds blow and bad things happen, will your house fall or will it stand forever? It will only stand in Jesus Christ. And I think when we read Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29, we see these two builders. We can understand the analogy that Christ is point, painting for us today. Is Christ's words as astonishing then? As, or is it as astonishing now as it was then? Do we believe? Are we amazed? Do we understand fully what Christ is saying here? Are we taking it to heart? That heaven is a real place and hell is a real place and people are going to both. Where are you going? 